Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Timothy Plain. And I'm Alric Purcell. Each week, we discuss a different filmmaking topic and give you our point of view. Not because we're experts, because we're not. We're just two filmmakers trying to figure it all out. So here we are, back in the same studio, which is my room and Ulrich's <laughs> closet. Same studio, but and with the same guest as a couple weeks ago. Right. We've got Colin Levy back again. Howdy, howdy. Good to be back. Welcome back, Colin. Can you give us like a background on like how this whole uh, this new episode came to be? Yeah, I mean, uh, when you first reached out to me about doing a podcast, uh, uh, you shared with me um, your short over my dead body and uh, some of the. Uh, your struggles in, in uh, finding an audience online, and I expected that uh, some of our discussion on the podcast last week uh, was going to be a little bit more focused on that film. So we were emailing back and forth after more about the film itself and how it might have fallen short of its uh, potential, I guess. What really struck me about that conversation is how down you seem to be with uh, getting some seriously blunt feedback <laughs> <laughs> and um, you seemed actually excited about the possibility of doing that publicly, oh, which yeah. is, uh, which is, I feel like, a pretty courageous act. Because that's the premise of this episode, from what I understand, is we're going to tear your short to shreds. And Wait, really... what are you talking about, Colin? We're just going to take praise. That's the whole point you're here. You're just going to tell us how good it is. Yeah, how good it is. <laughs> well, if you, you probably haven't listened to a lot of our episodes, but... I'm actually not really good at taking criticism. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, so we'll <laughs> but, give you that. Uh-huh. But I really want to hear what you guys have to say. Like, Ulrich and I have never really had, like, a an in-depth conversation about what we could have done better, and he produced it. And I really respect the films that you make, so I'm really curious to hear, like, your point of view and, like, an outsider's point of view that didn't, wasn't, like, in the nitty-gritty of putting the film together to tell me, what could have been better or how I could have done done it differently. I think the reason I'm excited is because I think I can learn a lot from also, it. Also, I mean, just keep in mind that anyone that you talk to about any piece of work is going to come come um, with different sort of uh, background, different taste, different sensibilities, and, and everything. You know, n- there's no accounting for taste. Everyone has... Um, uh, a, a very different and unique point of view, a very different, unique set of opinions. And I am very used to aggressively di- disagreeing with with a lot of people about what is or is not good. I feel strongly about what I think is good, too. Like, Ulrich and I are in the middle of talking about his uh, poster for Brother. He yeah. keeps sending it to me, and I keep, I feel bad because I keep telling him I don't like it. <laughs> but yeah. you got to be honest, but, you know? But I'm being honest, and then he and we just had a discussion before we started recording, where he was telling me that some of the decisions that he made, the ones that I don't like, he likes. So who's right? Right, right. <laughs> exactly. And and it's funny. The first time uh, I sent the the newer poster to him, and he hated it. Uh, it really crushed me. Mm. Like I was really upset, and I was kind of like defensive. And then uh, the second time, uh, I took it a lot better. Probably because I knew it was coming. Right. You know, <laughs> <sighs> I don't know. It's one of those things where you just you you want to have something that's perfect. And like you know, if someone that you trust doesn't like it, it's really hard to move forward. Even though it's just one person's opinion and I, I disagree with it, but still it's like, 
but am I wrong? Am I crazy? Right. Like, what's what's up? Right, right. <laughs> I mean, I think that's why showing audiences and getting as much feedback as you can is is generally a good practice. Because, I mean, if you just show one person, you know, they they could sort of uh, throw you off course. If you show twenty people and you're getting twelve of them who give you the same feedback, then probably that's worth listening. Yeah, to. Right. that's a good point. How many people do you show your films to before you release them? Probably. I would say 20 to 40 range. Uh, wow. Um, That's a lot. You know, yeah. over over a course of time. Um, right. And yeah. uh, in different contexts, too. It's like I'll send someone a link and get some feedback via email. I'll grab some people together at work and show people over lunch. Um, and, I'll you know, I'm, I'm continuously crafting it. So generally, if I'm getting notes, I might um, I might like listen to the notes that I'm getting multiple times and then go back to the same people and say, hey, did I fix that? You know, mm-hmm. is this working right, better right. for you? Um, but, uh, you know, th- that's that's been more of the case recently and less of the case, you know, uh, in, in previous um, projects. But it does, it definitely gives makes me feel more confident about the work that I'm doing when I can see the responses improve <laughs> over time. Yeah, right. Yeah. I had a really hard time on Spirit Machine because there's so many visual effect shots that I couldn't really show a cut to people because I didn't understand what was going on. Or I'd have to like show it and then be like, all right, pause. In this scene, this is what's going to happen. You're not going to see any of that stuff, but you just have to imagine that that stuff is there. And it's hard for most people to comment on on stuff. I'm sort of in the same state on my short right now, um, although I guess I've, I've fixed that problem by just inserting just the roughest of storyboards or mm-hmm. something that indicates what's going to be there. But yeah, that's always tricky to show something that's essentially a rough work in progress. You said, Timothy, that you uh, feel like you're you're not good at taking criticism, and I'm wondering why that is, or, or what specifically you mean. Uh, let's see. Because I make choices very deliberately while I'm making movies, when it's done, that's the choices that I've made. I feel like I've made the best choices that I possibly could, given the circumstances around it, right? So sometimes it's really hard for me to hear somebody criticize my finished film because I'm like, well, what can I do with that? Like, I, I can't change the film. The film's done. Like, I'm, I've already made all the decisions. So why would you tell me that I did something wrong? Like, that's just hurtful. <laughs> well, no, but you can learn from it, you know? Like, you've, you realize what worked for an audience and what didn't work for an audience, and then you take that information right. into your next project. That's what I like to do, at least. I think I'm pretty good with criticism like while I'm in the process. But yeah, no, I, it does totally help and I'm I'm just being a baby yeah, about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> but, dude, I definitely understand what that's like and I also understand that this is sort of a you know, it, it's a fresh project for you. you. You know, it's it's you just released it. But this is one project. The more movies I make, I kind of feel this way over and over again. I'm I don't feel it's perfect. Not like I'm pretending that I made every decision the right way. I know I didn't. We watched it on Sunday with a group of people and the there's decisions I was regretting. Mm. It's like, ah, I wish I would have done that better. So I think that I'm more open to hearing what people think and learning from it. And also I wasn't in control of every single aspect of it. Somebody else wrote it. Ulrich produced it. We had a really great DP that, that lit it. So I don't feel like I have to take all of the credit for the stuff that works and didn't work. It's a group effort. So in that sense, I can let it go a little bit more. Let me ask you, 
just to start, what are the things that you look back on and specifically you would change if you were to do it again? I would change the opening scene for sure. I think that I shot that completely wrong. Mm. And there's a few jokes in the middle that I don't feel like worked really well um, that should have been funny. Mm -hmm. And I should have just pushed a little harder to to find the humor Mm -hmm. in those. And I wish that I would have ended on something that was a little funnier. That nice romantic moment is actually what attracted me to the script in the first place before the credits roll. Mm. In seeing it with audiences, I realized that there was an opportunity there. People really wanted to laugh. And I think if I would have just ended on something like... Right. Something even gruesome, like his head falling off. (laughs) would have been really funny. That's interesting. That is interesting. Um, Because I have like a different reaction than that Mm -hmm. to what I would have pushed for differently even just as a producer you know looking at that script and if we'd if we were to start over again from this point because yeah. watching it with two audiences it was very clear that this it was almost the same kind of reaction both times oh yeah it was and uh where i i saw them losing interest was kind of in the midway point when it, mm-hmm. it stops being a comedy and starts to be more of this emotional piece yeah and it feels like that's when we sort of lost the audience so i probably would have pushed more for to keep the comedy throughout Mm. and and maybe not make it so you know uh emotional you know but i mean i like you i liked that part of it like i thought that it was fun that it was like this weird mashup sort of movie where it's like horror comedy romance but uh, it didn't seem that that part resonated with audiences. And then that little last shot that we have of Karina as a zombie, that yep. got laughs both times. And I've gotten people telling me personally that that's like they love the ending. That's cool. So I kind of feel like we had that little last bit of laugh thing there. And I mean, but I kind of feel like that whole ending could have been different and that would have. I don't know, like keep the laughs going. Like we were like, we we're like, you know, the audience was like eating out of our hand for like the first like half of the movie. Basically, they're just laughing yeah. at everything. So true. if we push that further and like gone up, up, up and then ended on the biggest laugh, I think that would have been what we what would have yeah, been best. Exactly. And that's what I see, too. And I wouldn't have known that until I saw it finished with an audience. And now right. I'm learning. And, and right. I guess now that the challenge is, what does that mean? What does that actually mean? Is it does it mean that we were trying to play with too many genres? You know, we have horror in there, we have comedy in there, and we had romance. And was that just too much? Should we should we have just focused on horror and comedy, or just said no, this is a comedy? I, I'm not sure exactly what it means yet, but I've, I'm feeling the exact same thing that you did. You just iterated, Ulrich. Yeah, I definitely feel like that would be one of my biggest critiques myself the muddiness of the tone which sort of shifts over as you noted the opening sort of sets us up in one way and then we sort of drift into different territory if you are ready because i wrote down some notes (laughs) and i want to start with what you guys did great but i think that we could actually go through sort of break things down in detail and talk about some specifics genre and tone is definitely a big thing and then there's execution level decisions that would be good to talk about from writing from Um, directing and just choices about how moments are structured. I mean, that stuff is always fun to talk about and to analyze. Yeah, 
I think that sounds really good. I just want to like lay down the ground rules. Like, yeah. What do you want me to do? <laughs> like Ulrich, Ulrich produced it also too. Right. So it's like, should we just, <laughs> should we just listen? Do you want me to defend my decisions? Right. Like what, what's the most helpful, especially for like knowing that people are going to be listening to this. Right. I, I don't know exactly how, how to do this. So you, you tell me what makes sense. No, that's sense. a great question. I want you to be in a position where you don't feel attacked <laughs> and, and we can have <laughs> no. a good conversation about it. Yeah. You can talk about your intentions. If there's an idea that you uh, want to talk about or to focus on or clarity on, yeah. like, why are you suggesting this? Why is that? Why would be, that be better? And I have less in the way of solutions and more about, I'm just pointing to issues. Um, right. Yeah. So... Uh, let's, well, let's, see yeah, let's see what happens. Yeah, let's go. I'm, I'm by nature. I'm not really the type of person that will f- you normally fight back. I, I'm usually like when I get feedback, I just listen. Right. I mean, there's different categories of things we can talk about. Let me just sh- sort of share thoughts about a category, and then you know you can respond. One of the reasons you know we talked to you about how we should how we can get online views. Because we felt like Over My Dead Body got shared around a lot and we should have seen more views on it, but it just didn't get passed around. So is our premise going into this that if the film had been better, it would have been passed around more? I think so. I think that if the film had been better, you would be looking at a a different sort of reality online. But I think that's always difficult to to truly know. (laughs) My premise would be less uh, externally motivated and more about story structure and, you know, dramatic choices and what constitutes good storytelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think, I think that's better because there's other factors that come into play. Do people even want to see a movie about a zombie in this context? Sure, sure. Yeah. That's a decent question. You certainly are focusing in on a, a niche audience. It is a zombie film. But I personally feel like that's one of the strengths of this project. The premise mm-hmm. is solid. The logline mm-hmm. is solid. The idea that a zombie apocalypse has happened and, you know, this blind date sort of unfolds and the, the girl is unaware and they have this sort of interchange where the magnitude of the apocalypse, you know, dawns on her and she makes this choice, you know, in the name of love to become a zombie. Like, that's really solid, I think. So you have a, such a, a, a good foundation uh, and I think that's one of the strengths. I think execution-wise, it's shot beautifully. It looks completely professional and feels, you know, like a movie, which is not easy, as you know. The actors are also quite good. And then technical things like the titles, that was really well executed. So on that level, have to give you major props. Cool, thanks. Awesome. I would say that uh, the overall criticisms I would have is about clarity and confusion or lack of clarity and confusion that I have (laughs) (laughs) Um, on a moment-to-moment basis. And it really has to do with understanding your characters, thoroughly understanding every moment as the plot unfolds. We already talked about sort of the tone and how it's a little bit muddy Mm -hmm, and how that relates to genre, which I think is really tricky stuff. It's something that that is more of a, a gut level thing and it's hard to intellectualize like personally and then i feel like dialogue in in some places feels weak mm-hmm. and, and we can point out what those places are but it actually was really interesting to me because timothy you sent me the script this morning and i just skimmed it over and i noticed a, a, a couple places that where the film itself departed from the uh the script somewhat 
And some of the issues that I will bring up actually may have been helped by something that was written. And it's not necessarily just dialogue, but an action line as huh. well. And I think that that will be interesting to, to talk about. And I don't remember which draft that I sent you, but it looks like it might have been like the original draft I read uh-huh. that made me say, I'm going to shoot this movie. And then I worked with the writer on several drafts after that where I did change things and ask him to modify pieces of dialogue. I think it's actually probably a good draft to talk about because, you know, it's his original intention that then I <laughs> pushed him to depart from. So yeah. interesting. There, there are decisions that I made. But it didn't change that much, though, did it? It was pretty pretty similar, wasn't well, it? We'll find out. Yeah, it, it felt very similar. It felt very similar. Yeah. I mean, the, the, some, some of the biggest changes are in the opening, and we'll, we'll post this in the show notes so people can read it too, but the way that it opens with him coming to the door, there's a conversation at the door. It's True. not just like this kind of scary moment where she walks up and opens the door and he slams through and it's like, uh, here, these flowers are for you. There's like a more of like, ding dong, she opens the door and, oh, are you Richard? And he says, yes, Marie. And then she says, yes. And then he hands her the dead flowers. And then he says, uh, oh, these are for you. And then she says, oh, thank you. Uh, please come in. So it's much more of like conversational. There wasn't that horror aspect, which is something that I added because it was something that I really wanted to oh, do. Oh, interesting. And uh, maybe, well, I, let, maybe I I mean, let's just talk yeah. about that. Let's just talk about that decision because that gets back to the genre thing, which is I feel like part of the DNA of the short. I feel like you have to find a way to get the horror in there, right? And yet I have to understand like what's going on. And I would say right off the bat, it was not clear to me. If I hadn't read the synopsis, it was not clear to me that I was watching a blind date unfold. Yeah, mm. that makes sense. And the flowers help, uh, you know, obviously it puts us in, in a box, but I feel like it's a big box, whereas blind date is a small box. Like the fact that she doesn't know who she's about to meet, has never seen him before in her life. But, you know, the intentions are date, you know, and they've already agreed on this. That's sort of a unique circumstance it became clear over time you know yeah yeah and i think that was my intention was that you wouldn't this is kind of silly now that i'm thinking about it but yeah keep the audience in the dark for as long as possible and and make them figure it out along the way that also hurts you too if you're not if you don't have a captive audience like it's different when you lock people in a theater and you're like you're gonna watch my movie for two hours and you'll figure it out and by the end you'll decide whether or not you like it but when you're going online (laughs) and you're like you have a minute to pull people mm. in and then they might stop and like move on to something else. It is a danger to keep them in the dark for and too long. And that's definitely a good point. I would just say also in setting up the premise, there's some sort of choice, some choices that are actually technical in nature that I feel like ideally in my uh, mind's eye, mm-hmm. the film would be stronger if those particular choices were pushed even further. And that is A, the makeup for your zombie character. I feel like what you want in your audience is for them to be like, oh, that guy's a zombie, clearly. And for me, I was asking questions, well, is he a zombie? Like, uh, are we sure that he's a zombie? Is he actually? Because he looks like a guy in makeup. I basically wanted to see proof like to see like a hand fall off (laughs) like like you wanted to see like a walking dead type of zombie kind of is that what you're saying i don't necessarily know if it's behavior um or i mean but like like production yeah i mean like ideally like ideally bones and stuff the more the more sort of um iconic you could get with that the more that he just screen you know the image of him screams zombie 
the more I'm like with the premise. Um, similarly, I had sort of the same sort of levels of confusion with the flowers. The, the sound design uh. helped a lot, and I guess they looked pretty desaturated. But imagining that that same choice was just pushed a little further, you've got totally wilted flowers that don't even stand up right, you know, or one or two of them do. A design choice like that would make it read really clearly, and I wouldn't wonder about the line of dialogue about, oh, I guess they don't need water or something like that, right? Well, let's address the zombie thing for for one second. Sure. That, that was something we talked about a lot. And if you look at my treatment, I had like several different types of zombies that I had like pulled as reference and like varying degrees of decay. And you have to be careful not to go too far towards the de- decay route because then I don't think audiences are going to feel anything for this guy. And it's going to, then the premise becomes so ridiculous that she would even be able to fall in love with him that it doesn't right. work. But right. I agree with no, you in the sense really that maybe like his arm would have fallen off or like, you know, some, his ear fell off or just something like that really proves <laughs> the point that he's a zombie. Cause I think it would have been just funny. right. Yeah. We talked about the arm falling off thing. I think either on the day of the shoot or like right after the shoot, like Timothy, you were like, just like, I really wish his arm could have fallen off. And I was like, well, we don't have the budget to have his arm fall off. So we can't right. do that. <laughs> I know. I mean, and then, yeah, there's budgetary restraints too. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, I agree with you. I wish that there, I wish some body part would have fallen well, it's, off somewhere. It's, maybe the there's a, another uh, <laughs> solution, but essentially I just want to be convinced that this is a zombie straight away, you know? Uh, and there's there's multiple ways of doing that. Um, and the flowers themselves may have looked great, but I guess I only saw them in that wide shot. You know, I agree with you. They didn't look that good. But that was that was a, a situation where I would say because we didn't have a production designer and we were all kind of just chipping in to just pull this movie together. Those were flowers that one of the executive producers had in his apartment already. And it was like, hey, I've dried flowers. And we're like, great, done. Dried flowers, finished. I, I didn't put much thought to it. Well, I think they dried them purposely. And I guess I didn't, wasn't really thinking that they were going to be like disgusting, nasty yeah, looking flowers. Exactly. I mean, this is fine, a fine line between what is sort of appropriate to the character and also given where the film the story needs to go which is she has to fall in love with him right you can't push it too far in the other direction but it's also important to have that clarity right and that initial read i would i would lean back in towards the clarity direction even if it sacrifices a little bit of that other side how do you think we could have set up that it was a blind date better than we did here because she opens the door at like 45 seconds mm-hmm. in. And then Honestly, that was that was here one of the examples mm-hmm. that I felt like communicated slightly better in the original script, which we already talked about that scene that was more sort of, uh, yeah, had... Conversational. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the script, is it is it clear that she's scared when uh, the, there's a ring at the door or a knock at the door? Or is no. it... So, so I think that's also maybe one of the problems because, like, why would she be scared if she's expecting a date? You know, and we—I think we even talked about that, Timothy. We right? heard, we heard about that. Yeah, when in the rough cut, somebody said that. Oh, in so the rough we, cut. Okay. we had changed it because I think in the early initial rough cuts, we had her being even more like hesitant to go answer the door, and then we added the shot of her like fixing her hair as she goes right. towards the door right. to help. Okay, fix so that. I actually think that this is one of the most critical. 
um, uh, uh, sort of questions um, in in the entire story. It has to do exactly with your question, Ulrich, is like, is she scared? Is she scared from the get-go? Does she become scared over time? Is there a specific moment that makes her scared? Like, <clears throat> in the script, I'm going to just read this paragraph. Standing at the other side of the door, holding dead flowers, is Richard, 40s-ish, wearing a slightly tattered suit. He is a zombie. Marie, oh my, <laughs> are you Richard? So what's, the? I guess, the subtext of, oh my, is, mm. holy shit, you look terrible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, right. like, maybe she doesn't know this is a zombie, or but she's certainly off-put at the beginning, right? Um I would say that the question, is she actually scared, is in my mind the entire, you know, short. Is she scared at the beginning? Um, and that relates to my question of, is he actually a zombie? Um, because, <laughs> and uh, wow. you, you're basically going in between, you're, you're, you're toggling back and forth between sort of romance and horror, right? In it can be, it's multiple times throughout the story, right? Um and so what it feels like is sort of inconsistent character behavior. And uh-huh. what I want it to be, like, I want to understand it more moment to moment. When I guess, and I think this is the order of events, she asks, or maybe he, he finally says, I'm a zombie. And mm-hmm. she says, would you like some wine? That's her response is, let's have drinks. I think this is the other thing that I noticed in the script that communicated a little different. And it had to do with that wine, which is... She pours herself a tall glass of wine, sits back down at the table, and drinks half the glass in one shot. Right? That piece of action suggests something about the character's inner life, you know? Which is like, holy shit, what have I gotten myself into? Like, she's not <laughs> right. scared for her life, but she's freaking out. <laughs> and, and I guess that that's, for me, that is the thing that I want to be able to track perfectly mm-hmm. and is tricky is difficult for me to track throughout gotcha the film That's interesting and i don't know because this man i am not good at directing actors and i'm not good at preparing to direct performance overall or or really breaking it down but i guess that my impulse would be in the preparation to shoot something like this to really and truly to map out exactly how scared is she over time what is the <laughs> moment where she really turns and and there's some of that structure that's there for sure but i guess even though i see it i don't understand it as much as i would like as an audience wow that's really interesting i'm trying to think if i ever even thought about that question when i was preparing it i, mean, I don't think i ever had any conversations with the actors about how scared is she right we are focused on other things yeah but you were very deliberate with your direction and oh, yeah, and, and how they did their movements and like at what time to grab the wine and all those things. Yeah. Like you were very clear with, with like, well, well, what I thought at the time, all of it, I thought you were ex- extremely well prepared with your actors. So it's interesting to, to hear this pr- perspective. Part of what we're talking about is just like believable behavior. If there's a zombie here, would she say this? Would she be scared? <laughs> you know, the, those sort of questions. And then there's sort of internal logic problems that are related but they're less character based and huh. and these are i would say less important but still enough to distract me while i'm watching it mm-hmm. i think i know what these are 
They're like they're part of how the writer wrote the script. Yes. Right? What what would yeah. you uh, guess they're about? There's some lack of clarity about exactly what happened in the zombie apocalypse. Yep. Um, like how long ago it happened. Right. Because it's like you haven't she, been out lately, I think have it's you? Something something has to do with like. She hasn't gone out for the entire day and doesn't know about the zombie apocalypse, but at the same time, it sounds like it's been happening for long enough that even if she didn't go out that day, she should have known about it. Like it's gone global, and yet it just happened, and yet he knows it. (laughs) Right. Like she slept in, but whoever Sarah is, she is exactly set her up with the zombie, right? And and told her, Yeah, he has a complexion problem, yeah, totally. So, the backstory for how this whole event came to be doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's what I I want to understand, but I, yeah, yeah, but I am confused by it. See, I didn't want to be like a control freak on this particular project. Maybe it'll turn me into one where I'll be like, (laughs) No, I'm right, this is the way we're doing it, but no, I think you know, and that was one of the things that I conceded on and I, I felt it the whole way through the process. Yep. No one has really called it out except for you, but I've, I've totally feel yeah. that. Well, I think that, I mean, as we're talking about it's it is always fascinating to, to look at the script of any work and then compare it to the final. Cause there's always so much that happens in between and it's actually rewritten twice, right? You, you, you yeah. have the, the script and then you rewrite it when you shoot it, you know, even if that's not in your intention. And then you rewrite it when you edit it. And actually, this is pretty darn close. Like, you did a really good job of executing what is there. You know, in contrast to what we're talking about now, where there's a point that you conceded that um, maybe you shouldn't have. Uh, we were talking earlier about uh, little bits of action that may have been uh, stronger for this and that reason. So I think it's just good to, to reflect on, on both sides of it. Uh, pacing has so much to do like timing is so important Mm -hmm. to comedy right and right now in your short there's a lot of sort of pregnant pauses you know where characters even more at one point yeah yeah we took them out (laughs) yeah well i think that if you just if you took half of them out it would actually be funnier you know Mm. yeah that's one of the things that i actually learned from this project because that's the way i directed it because I thought, oh, and then I'll just fix it in editing. We'll make it tighter if we need to. But actually, you can't because that's the performance is, it does kind of dictate the pace. You can modify it to some degree, but you're still feeling it. But Ulrich and I feel like we cut out as much as we possibly <laughs> could. Like we went through and cut like, you know, every single pause out at one yeah. point and then added them back in where it felt Fascinating. right. And now, I w- yeah, if I would have gone to go back and do it again, I would have the actors do everything faster. Right. Because at the time, I was convinced that I could cut out the pauses if I needed to. But it kind of doesn't work <laughs> There you way. go. I mean, th- that's an example of, you know, the lesson. That's why it's amazing to go out and make a, a short and like, and, and to analyze it, you know, because it's, it's only when you go through that sort of production and editing that you realize what, you know, what this whole thing is, what this art form, like how how it can be crafted and how it can't like what the what the limitations I want to go back to one thing that you said earlier Colin just about the logic issues sure. of our world yeah. cuz 
in a in a theater when we were watching it with the with the audiences, those two mo that moment where uh she he's talking about it's gone global and all that stuff, the stuff that doesn't make sense. Those are some of the lines where people are just laughing and they're sort of in it with us at at that moment. So like I'm I'm just wondering like if it's funny enough or if it's these goofy little lines, even if they don't make sense, like does that matter in the it, end? It, it's it depends on the exactly. person. Exactly. For me, it matters quite a bit personally. Hmm. Um, Interesting. To me, it's I, and this is maybe one of the reasons why I'm terrible at comedy. <laughs> but I don't want to um, do anything. I don't want to make any decisions that take us out of the reality of what we're watching. Like, out of logic, dude, yeah. That that's a pretty good point that you made about like maybe not being good at comedy because of that on commercial shoots. As soon as clients start asking questions about the logic of a joke, right. it's not funny anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. And they always kill it. I mean, a 30-second <laughs> commercial, it's different. You can kind of get away with some absurdity. But it is true. Like, sometimes comedy doesn't make sense. So bringing this back to your short, the g- going global moment, if that gets a good laugh, don't kill the joke because it doesn't make sense. Just make that joke make sense. You know, mm. there's no reason <laughs> not to good. just solve the problem uh with right. you know with the writing if you can uh so that you can get the best of both worlds i guess <laughs> yeah do you have more notes for us uh we're like sort of halfway through the short now or maybe a little bit past we could hit play and actually talk about specific moments and keep going like for example the scare um scene i have some comments about let's for the audience let's tell them where that is it's like at 420 dude 420 very appropriate this is an interesting part too because i did I think I wanted to shoot it differently than it ended mm-hmm. up turning out. And we also tried it differently in the edit than how it turned out. Oh, yeah. yeah. What's Tell your, me what your ideal... Ideal was I wanted to see something outside yeah. the window. I wanted to see like a, a, a body run past. Exactly. Um, yep. I mean, I feel like that's, for me, the reason the moment doesn't work is... is yeah, because... Uh, it's supposed to be a, a a moment that is sort of pivotal in the scene. Like this is what convinces her. Like oh sh- oh god, it's everywhere. You know, it's also got to be scary. You know. Oh, I remembered what it was. I had seen somewhere, and I don't remember if it was a feature or a short. But there's a shot where a girl is like looking out a window, and it's just this long, slow kind of shot of her shot of the window shot of her shot of the window and then like this crow or something just like slams into the window <laughs> and it's like so scary and i wanted to do something yeah. like that but you know with the zombie like even just like a hand coming up on the right. window or something yep. part of it's a location thing because that window is like two stories up yep <laughs> something like uh-huh. that so we couldn't really capture something running past the window um there's also then the other a time constraint time, time constraint too yeah. we we were running out of time our makeup guy only had enough time to do makeup on our hero zombie and not another person and it just ended up being a problem that we you know, we worked around and it ends up being a shadow you know we, we just threw something in front of the light to give the sense of something running past if you didn't re- uh, require the actors, then it might have been a pickup shot that you could have gotten after the fact, 
just thinking about production realities. Of course, that is more time and effort, um, but hopefully that could be something relatively inexpensive. The biggest expense would have been time, you know, to like to do it. It's hard to know what to spend the time. Exactly. (laughs) What is worth it and what isn't, you know? In, in the case of my film, the one I'm working on now, it was sort of death by a thousand paper cuts, where it's like, this isn't quite what I want it to be, and this isn't quite what I want it to be. And like, <laughs> yeah. any one of those things is okay on its own. But when you put them all together, I mean, that's part of why I'm doing these pickups. Um, because it's like, ah, it's like the cumulative effect of all these compromises, for me, was uh, it, it was too much. To compromise mm. um but that's a really tricky conversation to have how long is your short eight and a half minutes or so oh nice that's a good length yeah oh, that's a perfect i length. love that length i have a question about this moment uh colin so understanding that this is the best that we could do with this scare and understanding that we weren't going to be able to have anything that was more gruesome uh in this moment would you have cut it out or do you think that it needs to be in there for the story to work? If you already had shot it, then it's probably pretty difficult to cut out because of the dialogue that follows, right? Right. You need something to 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 spur that conversation. It's a catalyst. Mm-hmm. There's a couple different ways that you could potentially solve it without having to go back and reshoot something. Of course, because I do visual effects stuff, like I'm thinking about throwing some a splat of blood on the window in post, right? But that right. also costs money. Um, but it could be that you are on their reaction and you never see out the window, you know, and you just hear something terrifying. Uh, that'd be another way to play with it. But in terms of cutting the moment entirely, uh, I'd have to watch it again. But yeah, or maybe it, might it, be tricky. it would have had to be like a whole like a rewriting thing beforehand. Mm-hmm. Because I think in my mind, at least, and I, I don't know what Timothy thinks, but it just it felt like, yeah, it's going to come out in the performance and the reaction. And if we don't necessarily see anything like what we don't see can be scarier than what we see. Right. You know, so that was sort of my logic and, and why I thought that that would be good. I don't know. What do you think, Timothy? So I always saw this moment as some, being something special, but I'm not sure why I didn't push harder to f- to figure out a way to make it special, even given the restraints, because I think there w- there is a solve there. I'm not, I don't remember exactly why, and it might have been just because it came up on the day, and I would, I didn't really go back to the location and think about how that was all going to play out. Part of it is like, oh well, just we'll figure it out. <laughs> how hard? How hard can it be? <laughs> right. Yeah. I think there was a little bit of. Um overconfidence at least in my end as, as a producer like I thought that we were going to be able to handle it like I thought that we were going to be able to get this movie shot um, by 2 a.m. And, and that we'd be out by 2 <laughs> and I kind of th- I thought pretty confident in our ability to do that and I think I was just wrong like we needed at least another another two hours uh, I have to schedule. go back through my storyboards and see I don't remember exactly what I had boarded out for this shot or the sequence. Yeah, it's really interesting to hear the discussion that went behind it. These are the things that no one sees in a finished film, right? And this <laughs> is why I think making movies is so hard is because you have to make decisions and compromises throughout the process. And sometimes you don't know how big of a deal they are until it's too late. This is where we fight against the fact we're independent filmmakers and we are we have a lot more constraints than, than those who have a lot of resources at their disposal. The fact that the location is on the second story and that you only had a certain amount of time and yada yada. This is where it becomes more important uh, even to pick your battles and to be problem solvers, right? To, to, to figure out 
Okay, this moment is truly crucial. Right, you have to know what your moments are and why they're important and then squeeze the most out of them. I mean, whereas if you were to execute this with a lot more resources, then you would probably get what you need for this for this moment, the way that you initially envisioned it, right? Oh yeah, so, and we would have we wouldn't have shot it in one day. Exactly. Like this would have been, you know, a two or three day shoot. Trying to shoot six pages in one day is really <laughs> yeah. hard. I mean it sounds like for a one night shoot that you've put together also in just it seems like a month you or th- 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 through this together in just a matter of weeks it was a uh, was about a month right month and I mean, that's pretty awesome to, <laughs> that yeah. that level of turnaround and have it online I mean, that was the whole that was always that was the, the idea with this it yeah. was you know three thousand dollars something we could do fast there wasn't a bunch of visual effects it was like it was supposed to be more of like a practice film so and and maybe because that was in my head i didn't you know, push as hard as I could have, you know, of course, with something like Spirit Machine, where there's a lot more money. And I feel like it's a a bigger turning point in my career. I'm like, way more careful about everything. And this one, maybe I just, I I relaxed a little bit. You're not giving yourself enough credit, bro. Like, I mean, you you pushed a lot. I'm not saying that I didn't care. I totally cared. I wanted this to be the best movie. (laughs) could. But at the same time, I wasn't like, Ulrich, there's no way we can shoot this in one night. We have to do this in two days. And like, right. you know, push, like there's other things that we could have done. I think we did really push hard for like the best we could possibly do. And uh, I think we got a lot out of it. And I think... Totally did. Absolutely. But the question in my head now is like, all right, well, do you make movies to just do good enough and <laughs> just try to and do something for the practice of it? Or are you making movies to make an impact and like get views and get no notice on it like this is a great practice film but then at the same time that it's being a practice film we can't expect it to be this online success or like this film festival winner necessarily and maybe you get lucky and it is but i think you just have to have realistic expectations and what you're actually doing i think you have an opportunity to make a movie you take that opportunity to make a totally. movie, you know, and I think that's one of the reasons why that's I was so why I did quick it. to say yes to this because, yeah. you know, you, you, you brought me this film. You're like, we have a budget. Uh, the, uh, the script was good, you know, um, and interesting. And I was like, yeah, let's, let's, let's see what we can do with this thing, you know? And I think we, we did strive for excellence with what we had, but mm-hmm. um, we didn't necessarily like, you know, like stop the presses. Like we need to make this like a hundred percent perfect. You know, we we're just like, okay, well, this is what we got. We're going to, we're going to make this as perfect as we can. Given that versus not making a movie, I would take doing what we oh, did. Oh, completely. You know? I mean, from the, the, Me the, I mean, it's, as you said, it's a, it's a great learning experience, a, but also this is definitely, a, you know, the product is awesome. You know, you guys did a fantastic <laughs> job despite all of my um, gripes and nitpicks it's it is a film it feels like a film you you know i i didn't like the fact that so many people uh watch it from beginning to end you guys are you know have uh, shown it to a bunch of live audiences who have been really appreciative and and you know laugh at it like that is really satisfying to have to make an audience laugh ever yeah. like that's an awesome feeling and it's only but through- I'm still not satisfied. <laughs> You're never going to be satisfied, Timothy. You're never going to be satisfied. If, if- I know that sucks, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, ne- yeah. I mean, that's actually completely true, Ulrich. I mean, that's that's what's that's the curse of being uh, a filmmaker, or at least a perfectionist, uh, as you've perfectionist. described yourself. 
if I was just going to boil everything down to one one overarching piece of feedback, which is really and truly understanding what the character's journey is through the film mm-hmm. and getting yourself, the, the, the actor, on board with it. And then, of course, the audience comes after that. I feel like all of these things that I've pointed to that could have been executed uh, perhaps better with more resources or more time, that is all less important than me just truly understanding the character and her motivations and what she wants, what she's feeling. And that, I feel like, is Mm. the trickiest thing. So I don't really know how to specifically solve that problem. But I would say that's that's more important than anything else, the emotional reality of, of, uh, of the story. Well, what's the emotional reality that you see right now that confuses you, if you were to kind of I go think it through has, it? has a lot to do with what is she feeling and what does she want. Is she scared? At the opening, do you get the feeling she's scared or not scared? Uh, well, she invites him into know? her place, so I feel like uh, things are okay. But then uh, mm-hmm. she seems to understand that, that he's a rotting corpse um, because she, you know, because of what she says, she says the flowers are dead or he says that. And she says, and you, you know, so she at least suspects that he is. He confirms that. Now, what is the, like, A, does she believe him? Does she believe him when when he says yes? A, if she does believe him, what is the appropriate response to having a rotting corpse stand, you know, in front of you? There's, multiple uh potential reactions and you can take the scene wherever the story needs to take us but there's like um there's like "Ah!" you know freaking out you know she could just freak the fuck out um she could be like prove it you know i i don't believe you until the hand comes off um well i think what you're talking about is the in the writing of it because I feel like what I did is I took what was written and I tried to make it as believable as possible. But I can see, like, even I laughed when you said, uh, and you, because why would she say that? Why would she know? Like, at first, it doesn't seem like she knows that he's dead, but then she believes that he's but dead. But you know what? That, it is. The logic's all over yeah, the place. Yeah, but, you know, it, it can work. And, in fact, this is going to be tricky to hear, but I do feel... Like, I understand Marie better in the script. And I think it's nuance. It's nuance. It's But it's like, if you take her performance and you say, uh, he comes out of the shadows and says, uh, I'm a zombie, actually, right? Yeah. And she, she has a reaction like, holy shit, screams. Then how do you get to the line... Would you like some wine? Yeah, let, let, let's look at that. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Well, but I think I think the, my, what I'm seeing with this is that you didn't really you played it for belie- believability to some extent, right. but you really played it for comedy, and and that's how the script's written. So like in this script, her freaking out and 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 being scared and and that reaction wouldn't make sense for where we we go with it, you know? Well, that's what I'm saying is I kind of followed the material and what the next line was, and like for instance. One of my initial ideas was to make Richard even more of a zombie. Like he's kind of like transitioning mm. and like kind of snarling <laughs> and making like bite noises, bites, um, uh, actions towards her. Right. And it just didn't fit the script because none of that's written in there. Like some sometimes you have to have it in, motivated by what's in 
written in the dialogue wise and you have to be able to get the characters from line to line to line and so for the the example i want to know from you just out of curiosity not saying that i did it right but if she if he does come out of the shadows and says we prefer rod deading corpses no just kidding i'm a zombie and then she says, uh, would you like some wine? <laughs> How do you get from him saying that to her being like shocked, scared, maybe screams to would you like some wine? Uh, I think that's an absolutely amazing and great question. And that is for sure a that is the challenge of this scene in this moment. <laughs> like you have this these lines, you have this script you have these this moment that has to turn into this one, so so you kind of have to reverse engineer it, right? I'm um, let's just riff, let's riff on ideas. So I, I, um, I'm going to back up in the script a little bit because my instinct always when I have a problem like this, where like yeah, it just does it doesn't seem it doesn't seem believable that she would just kind of like push it away and get some wine. I always want to rewrite right. it because I I usually write my own stuff. Right. And you might have that oh, same completely. instinct too. I mean, that but should be a possibility, that, that you know. So, like, usually is, but I mean, you know, you want to respect the writer of too. And so, in this case, it was a, an exercise in respecting the writer. But let's say you get a script from David Mamet or Aaron Sorkin, <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it's written. And you're like, okay, well, I really want. I think she needs to act naturally. Here, here's to this. here's how one way. That? All right, so. We prefer dead, rotting corpses. He tries to make a joke. She kind of half chuckles like, (laughs) I'm kidding. No, really. I'm a zombie. Okay. And let's just say that he says that in a way where Marie truly believes and understands the reality of the situation now. She is standing in front of a dead human being. Okay. Marie gets up and walks over to the counter. Would you like some wine? Um, no thanks, I don't really drink anymore. So, for Marie gets up and walks over to the counter. She is in the presence of a zombie. Someone she cannot predict the behavior of. She could be dead at any moment. Let me just pretend that everything is okay. Let me just act like, uh, this is a normal date. Would you like some wine? Where it's sort of, it's a show. She's acting. You know, and she's mm. going through the motions of a date, but she has no trust of this character, right? That would be one way to play it, where at least I understand her, you know, emotional place. And yet it's the same action, it's the same line, um, but then that gives her somewhere to go. And she does, actually, it kind of does seem like an appropriate choice because she says, she, it's only after he declines the wine and drinks half of the the glass in the script. Uh, I don't mean to be rude, but, I, but yeah. I don't think this is going to work, you know? But given that she's just coming from a place of, of nervousness and anxiety, right, in, in our version, she could say that very meekly, you know, very, very, very cautiously, you know, trying to give herself as much distance from this zombie as possible. Okay, that's really interesting. You know what? Part of the thing that I haven't been doing and that you're opening my eyes to is I've been so shy to think about characters' emotions because you can't direct an actor with emotions. 
So I've been like breaking it down into kind of like actions and what they want from other people. But I think a good place to start with is as a viewer, what am I seeing and how is this character feeling? And then kind of reverse engineer it to get to what I need to tell the actor. Absolutely. And so I I think I've, I've kind of gone, I think I'm doing the right thing and working with actors because I'm getting good performances, but I'm not breaking the script down correctly. I think that you're absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, and I will send you, if you're interested, um, my favorite class in, in film school, uh, taught by Annette Haywood Carter. She is just brilliant at the whole director's acting side of directing. Uh, uh, and she has a way of breaking down a script that I've used ever since, which I love. And oh, cool. I'd love to see this. Part of it is, like I would say half of it, is exactly what you're talking about, which is more about preparing, giving yourself tools to, to talk to actors and right and, and that is like as ifs or or uh you know what they objectives what they want from the other character in the scene but there's a couple other columns there and one of them is emotional transitions so she goes from scared to defensive you know or or confident to insecure right and that tends to happen over just a line or two and I think right. step one is to just know what those transitions are. Yeah, and then that's step great. two is what you're that. already doing, which is to because you don't want to tell the actor that. Yeah, be be scared. Right. You're scared here, <laughs> and then <laughs> then you're defensive right. here. Yeah, because it doesn't work. I've, I've exactly seen it not work. so. Instead, you are like, okay, how do I get that actor to be scared? in a way that is true to the character and true true to the existence of of what that is and what that means in the scene. I think there's like something like like you're talking about, like where it's a chart that does an emotional track of the story. And it's usually not character by character, but it's more about like an overall story. Like, yeah, yeah, where where you want everything to kind of happen emotionally throughout the story. But then, yeah, the trick is breaking that down into ways you know technical aspects that for both the crew and for your actors it's hard to reverse engineer emotion right i mean absolutely (laughs) how do you how do you combine all the pieces to create this feeling i mean it's it's a thing we love about movies but it's also the hardest thing to get (sighs) i know i don't think i thought about how they felt throughout the piece Mm. i you know i i broke it down into beats I'm trying to remember. I mean, it's hard for me to. We never, we never talked about. about I don't think you talked about with Zergog either about like how she's feeling or how he's feeling, except in relation to like them falling in love. Like you know, there wasn't like a lot of feelings of her being nervous or scared in the beginning. It was more like, and it wasn't a thread that happened throughout like each line. It was more of like an overall kind of big, big paintbrush feel for like this particular section is romance and this particular right, section right. is well you know horror. i can feel that you know and that's yeah. that is definitely something that um that that communicated very well is those decisions i feel like the the uh, sort of breakdown that we're talking about or this sort of rounded uh, understanding of the characters can only help you know even if you're going to make the same decisions um uh, I think the more you really understand, you can jump into each character's mind and know what they're thinking and feeling. I think it, it'll it'll just give you such a great foundation to work on for every other decision that you make in scene work. And as something that I truly 
am not good at and and I haven't done enough of, you know, like I'm not good at talking about it with actors. And I mean, honestly, one of the reasons why I wanted to do this with you, first off, because it's sort of a privilege and cool to to have these sort of frank discussions with any filmmakers who are open to it. Um, But Mm -hmm. secondly, like I don't talk enough about these sort of deeper kind of issues that, that, you know, breaking down or analyzing a film and, and understanding what works and what doesn't work and why that discipline is is just really it's it's helpful and it's like these are the types of steps where, where the lessons do come out of well you know what's cool about something like this is normally when you're talking to somebody getting feedback on a film like a lot of times today you just send it out and then you get like a, an email from somebody but to like sit here and like dedicate an hour just to talk to each other and like go back and forth and say this is what I intended to do mm. and this is what can be done better like it's good because it's just I feel like this needs to happen a lot on the screenplay side of things too or I feel like I'm always sending screenplays out and then getting like a list of notes from people but I think it's more worthwhile to sit down across from somebody and and just talk it out and have a conversation about yeah, it. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's it's more of an investment on both people, both sides. Yeah. And that's why it's tricky, you know, especially for a <laughs> yeah. screenplay when you, right. you're just looking at words on a page, which is always like, you know, uh, it's more to ask someone to read a feature screenplay than to watch a movie <laughs> or watch a short. Right, right. But I think that's why like Sundance Labs is so helpful to writers is I think that's what they're just always yeah. doing. Like every day they're meeting with like three people and having like hour long discussions about their script and going line by line. And, yeah. you know, if we all did that more as filmmakers, I think we'd all get stronger because, yeah, everything has to you have to make decisions along the way. It's not just things happen by accident, but you are like making a deliberate decision to do something. And that all adds up to something. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I have a couple of questions just before we, we wrap up. So, Colin, besides like the believability of our characters and and you know the clarity of the premise and the clarity of the situation is there anything that you think our short is missing that kept it from getting that kind of viral attention that we were looking for yeah with just zooming out to the the big big picture i feel like it's always hard if it's kind of a talking head piece uh mm. to to really <laughs> rack up views like without some sort of action set piece or some sort of moment where uh, <laughs> events unfold in a dramatic way visually. I mean, I think it's those types of things that get people to share it, you know? Something you've mm. never seen before happens on screen or something that uh, that you haven't seen in that way or, you know. Um, and I'm not saying you have to throw a, ch- a chase scene in this movie, <laughs> but any... Uh, but it would have <laughs> Any way to sort of make it uh, more sort of visually dynamic... Even, let's just say it's still a Talking Heads movie, you know, or it's a dialogue-based piece, which is part of, you know, what makes it what it is. I mean, I'm not, like, you could still embrace that and yet Mm -hmm. maybe pull the action from the kitchen into the dining room, you know, maybe there's a little bit more like he's, he's backing her into a corner for one, just trying to make the blocking as dynamic as possible given the restraints could be right. a um could could be one way to go that's what my my head jumps to is sort of the visual side more dynamic you know or just just a moment yeah where where something unexpected happens visually and i i feel like the scare beat at the window is one opportunity to do that but i don't know if that would have made the difference it's it's maybe more 
structural where where you would need the chase scene or you know something <laughs> something to break it up because it is a, a you know kind of a, a five minute conversation which by the way is really hard to do <laughs> like actually what we're talking about this emotional tracking stuff like yeah. it's it's only so prominent in our conversation about it because that's what this piece is is a five minute long conversation where i'm tracking to people and who they are and what they're thinking and wanting and feeling you know so and you know that's that's a decently long scene even in a feature for Mm -hmm. for two people to be sitting and talking to each other standing and talking to each other again the tonal shifts it is tough to pull off and i think that in this case you guys use music effectively i mean it absolutely turns the tone upside down but i feel like i don't want the music to be the driving force of that right and Mm -hmm. that's what it felt like yeah, I've relied on music for the the emotions. You mean with, with the song coming in at the very end? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like, if there was a way to take us out of this sort of emotional, yeah, we're we're in the sort of second act stuff where you were even talking about you were sort of le- losing people when it was less about the comedy and more about the romance. Or yeah, the, and like right around the scare moment, really, I think yeah. is. Where, where she's was. like saying like I I won't fit in in this new world and and yeah. I feel mm-hmm. so alone that kind of stuff I mean it's it's uh, angsty and whatnot and like it's funny people laugh at that line like I don't think I'm gonna fit in in this world oh yeah that's true we did yeah, get some people laugh that. Twi- both times we played it yeah, are they the laughing audiences. at it or with it <laughs> I don't know <laughs> important distinction <laughs> I know yeah. right it's hard to, it's hard to tell yeah it's hard and I feel I don't know I feel like any laugh's a good laugh like even if they're laughing <laughs> it doesn't matter they're enjoying it right 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 <laughs> I don't know or they're just like, you know one time I saw um, the theory of everything mm. You guys see that one? Oh about yeah, St- Stephen I, Hawking. I actually liked it way more than I thought I was going. I was yeah, not a sitting fan. in the theater, my wife was crying the entire time. My, my it, too. <laughs> yeah, and we left, and we left the theater, and I said, "What'd you think?" She's like, "Oh, it's okay." <laughs> I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me? You just cried the entire movie. Like, yeah. how can you have an emotional reaction to a movie and just think it's okay?" Yeah, it's She's funny. like, "Yeah, it wasn't like the best movie I've ever seen, but it was pretty good." That is fascinating. so. I don't, I don't know if I agree with you that all you know a response is necessarily good it doesn't mean that it's a great movie it just means that you know it affected people i don't know so it's tough to to look at this moment um where she's like i don't think i'm gonna fit into this world and then the next lines which is like i feel so alone the script goes more the script says i feel so alone even more now that all this has happened it's been two years since i've even held a man um, <laughs> oh yeah, that's why. I, uh, yeah, that out. but yeah. the general <laughs> place that that character is in, like she is spilling her guts here. You know, she is completely vulnerable, and she has to be comfortable with that, with 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 sharing that information with this zombie. You know, at this point in the story, and so I feel like for me, the reason why that moment felt off to me was because I didn't feel like the character was there yet. I didn't feel like there was any reason for her to open up um, to this degree. Yeah, that's true. And um, mm-hmm. But I think that that's a solvable problem, you know. But again, it, yeah, it does go back to the writing and being very uh, careful in, in how that sort of is modulated. 
Well, do you have any ideas about how you would transition from a scare to her saying, I just feel so alone? Right, no, yeah, it's like, oh, is it like that everywhere? Yeah, here it's gone global. I don't think I'm going to fit in with this world. That's <laughs> another one of those, like, okay, that's a big ask. It's a big transition. Yeah. yeah. Um, so at this point in the movie, she's not scared of Richard anymore, but she is scared at the global reality of the zombie apocalypse. And I feel like for her to truly kind of make this transition, she's got to actually understand that she's like the only human left. And I don't think we do have that understanding. Really, she's only seen one thing. If there was a way, let's just say, let's just say the TV was on. This this is obviously, this is changing the writing. This is not, nothing that you could have done. I, you can't change the writing. That's one rule. But <laughs> No, go ahead. Keep going yeah, with your but exercise. You've got um, yeah. TV on and, and news stories from around the world being delivered by people who are being attacked and become zombies themselves. It's like, uh, uh, clearly, yeah, either that or the TV doesn't turn on and it's all static and like the radio, like New York Times is like, Everything is down. It seems, anyway. Yeah, there's, there's no phone. There's, some there's no internet. Evidence. You know, there's evidence beyond this man standing in front of her that she's like it's only a matter of time. Then, I feel like she would be motivated. Her her what she wants changes. She no longer wants to survive. Now she wants to be a part of the rest of humanity, which is going. <laughs> you know, and at that right. moment, what she wants is connection. And at that moment. What she, what she does to achieve that end is open up to Richard. Yeah. Here's something interesting about what you just did is, and for people that are out there making movies, this is like a really important part about being a filmmaker is you find something in the script that you need to communicate, which is she's the last human on earth. Now you can do that one of several ways. The strongest, in my opinion, is visually. If you can show that idea visually, that is like it should be like a silent movie. You can write a line of dialogue where she says, "Am I the only one on Earth?" <laughs> or whatever you know. To me, that's you know a, that's not a little bit would... of a cheap way out. Yeah. And then there's this other way where it's like a little bit of a hybrid, where it's like adding another element into it to help build the idea in the audience's head that she is the last person on Earth, or that things are so dire. Exactly. And I think that those are all, that's a really smart way to think about it. And yeah, that's definitely something that I knew about the script. Um, but I don't know if I had like a great solution for making sure it was clear that she was the last one. And I think that would have helped out for, for sure in telling the story. Well, it's just a means to motivate her to be like, I'm ready. I'm ready to join you guys. Because right. that's the, it's a big <laughs> transition, like you say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we just need, as the audience, we need to understand why. You know, that's what separates filmmaking and cinema from a novel or the written word. You, you know, you could be in her head and you could hear this sort of uh, train of thought, right? But because we don't, we're not privy to that inner life, we have to be able to make those mental leaps ourselves. And that's why we need a device like a visual device, hopefully, maybe the TV or something, you know, to sort of uh, start planting these these hints. In fact, just imagine that she's listening to the radio at the very beginning in the opening of the film. And right before the knock, it's sort of just either uh, 
like an AM frequency pops up and like there's someone reporting on, you know, like these crazy events or like the, it just sort of fizzes out, you know, and she tries to get the music back and it doesn't happen. Even that is a little bit foreshadowing and would speak to a more global uh, reality rather than just a local one. Yeah. And also right now it's relying on that line. I hear it's gone global. Right. Which is not the strongest way to communicate it. Right, exactly. Because especially, you know, if it only started this morning, this goes back to the logic problems, you know. Yeah. And and he's <laughs> he's been uh, a pretty uh, lame zombie as they come, and, uh, eating tofu and falling on the floor. <laughs> like, how has he found out that it's a global phenomenon? I just need a little bit more understanding of <laughs> of yeah. how that happened. Yeah, well, I'm a tough critic. I've learned guys. that. No, <laughs> yeah. I think it's great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate hearing your thoughts on it, and it it's actually inspires me. Like, Absolutely, I want, I want to do better next time, and I'm going to do better. And it's not you actually gave more solutions to things than you thought you. Might. Yeah, well, I I mean, I guys, this is like I said, a real privilege, and I appreciate how the humility with which you came to this, and like. just know that I'm, you know, I don't like, this is just my two cents, all of it. Um, so they're all such good points though. It's like, it's hard to like ignore (laughs) it, you know, it's it's just one man's opinion. Cause it's like, Oh yeah, these are all very logical, clear uh, examples of why, you know, why like an audience member would be like, meh, like you put the reason why somebody would go mad right. into words. Right. And I think that's so hard to do. <laughs> it, it's hard. And, uh, I really appreciate that. <laughs> I watch movies as an audience more than I do as a critic. A lot of times, if I like something or I don't like something, a lot of times I don't know why. Actually, when I knew that we were going to hop on this podcast, I did. I watched it a second time and I took notes and I did some thinking. And I feel like that's the type of thing that I want to be doing more of because it helps me that's great. Yeah. understand the craft you know, better myself. I always, if I ever see something that I really like, I go back and I start breaking it down. Yep. I haven't really done it so much for things I don't like, but that might be just as helpful. Why didn't I like that? It's hard to do it for <laughs> something you don't like. I was trying to do that the other day with this this movie I was watching. <laughs> Did you? And I was like, why isn't this working? Like, I don't really get it. Like, but maybe it's because of these things. Like, obviously this is happening and that's why, but, but why isn't it working? Right. You know? And I don't know. It's, sometimes it's hard. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think actually, though, it's harder to figure out why I like something than why mm-hmm. I'm not. Because you just feel right. it. You're just like, yeah, that I mean, works. Everything That's great. works. Everything about it is just great. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. To make it look so easy, you know? Thanks for being on the show, Colin. I uh, really appreciate all your uh, insights and everything. It's been an amazing, you know, hour plus, you know? I think we've both learned a lot from this experience. Thanks for being such good sports. Yeah, that was fun. Definitely good discussion. I would do that any day of the week with you. (laughs) I can't wait to pick apart how bad spirit machines are. No, please. I was about to say, I can't wait until uh, we can turn the tables and uh, you can be talking about my film and everything. That Oh, yeah. That'd be fun. We'd love to. Hopefully, we can be as insightful. Awesome. (laughs) And as brutal. (laughs) Yeah. Don't worry about that. 
Awesome. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, and please help other people find us. You can leave a review on iTunes or on Stitcher, and of course, check out our new website at makingmoviesishard.com, where you can subscribe to our show notes, and we actually just, uh, Timothy put up a new forum on there for discussions, so, you know, jump on there, start a discussion, let's talk about some stuff, whatever you guys want to talk about. You can also send us an email at podcast at makingmoviesishard.com, and we'll share whatever you want to say on the show and uh yeah so thanks timothy so much thanks all rick thanks colin and we'll talk to you guys later yep have a great day thanks guys all right